And the question I wanted to answer throughout this lesson, and kids, there'll be questions that you might get, even get candy for, so keep that you know, in mind. Oh, yeah, Charlotte is ready to go. The question I wanted to answer today is this. Did America have a Christian founding? <laughs> Not yet, Adam. <laughs> Did America have a Christian founding? And there are two popular answers to that. One is... Of course not, on this side. And then the other is, absolutely. The problem is that this is not a simple question. It's a complex question. There are several items that go into answering uh, their, uh, that question. Uh, a, there is, in fact, a great deal of evidence that uh, America's founders were influenced by Christian ideas. And there are many ways in which the founders' views might inform contemporary uh, political and legal controversies, but there are also evidence that some of the founding fathers were opposed to everyday Bible-believing, Jesus-following um, Christianity. So it's important that we keep that in mind. But as we do that, we're going to have a civics test. So in civics, oh, the stress level and anxiety level just kind of rose. In civics, you start a little bit of history, and you study a little bit of how things function in the country. And a lot of the questions I'm going to be asking you is the question, is, are the questions required when you take the citizenship test to become a citizen of the United States. So let's see if you are worthy of being a citizen of this country or if we should start a petition to get you deported to some other country. And I'm going to actually appoint a group. Now, this question is for this particular group. So I'll say, this question is for kids club. This question is for the youth group. This question is for the men. This question is for the women. And only if you are in, not if you identify yourself, but if you are in that group, you are eligible to answer by raising your hand, and I will pick you if you, know, if you have your hand up. So Adam, please control yourself to only respond when your group is called. Right? When I say Canadians, and then you can raise your hand. All right? So, I that, took this test. I did too. January 18, 2017. Um, I was a bit disappointed because I studied hard for it and they asked me six questions. <laughs> and that was the end of it. So, All right. This question is actually for those that are in the youth group. So that would be Nick and Natalie and Rebecca um, and Aubrey. And if anybody's in high school back there as well. All right. So this is the United States flag. I hope all of you recognize that. And my question is, what do the stripes in the flag mean if you're in youth group? Titus. I don't know, you're answering me. Okay, and the red one, I think it means the, just the, the perseverity and the strength of America. All right, that's, that's a great answer. Completely wrong, but it's, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good answer. Well, the white trash mean nothing. They're just uh, supposed to be an empty background. And these 13 red stripes, the 13 original colonies. All right. Okay, a bonus question to redeem yourself, youth group. 
How about the stars on the flag? Natalie? States. How many? 50. 50 states. All right, yes. Well, there are two common mistakes. Oh, there's another one. This is from Kids Club. Uh, for Kids Club. Who was the first president of the United States? Sadie. All right. Good. And what is it that legend tells us he couldn't lie about? Does anybody know? He did lie about it. Well, he came back and says, I cannot lie about it. Yeah. Well, cutting the cherry tree, right? And it's, most historians think this is an apocryphal story that didn't really happen. All right. Charlotte, this is for you because you've been so eager. How many states are in the United States? 50. Good for you. Yes. Oh, I forgot to give candy. <laughs> to you. To you. Ready, Sadie? To you. All right. There we go. It's also a test on catching to see if your maturity uh, is there. Well, in answering the question, uh, did America have a Christian founding? There are two common but mistaken answers. According to those who answer, of course not, America's founding fathers were guided by secular ideas of self, class, or estate interests. Uh, these scholars do not deny that the founders were religious, but they contend that they were mostly deists. Does anybody, this is open, this is, there's no candy involved with this one, but does anybody know what the deist is? Yes? So, yeah, Katie, what is it? Right, yes. It's interesting that it is a philosophy, a theology that only lasted for a very few years as far as being popular, but it had a great impact in a lot of Western world. Is the idea that God is not involved with everyday life, that he created the world, and then he sits back in a chair and just watches what's going on, and he has no direct impact on, on everyday life. Uh, the, illustra- the famous illustration is the clockmaker who made the clock, wound it, and let it run without ever touching it again. So the claim is that most of the founding fathers were deists. The, the scho- these, these scholars that say that the uh, United States was not founded as a Christian, fa- uh, a Christian nation uh, say that the founding fathers were people who'd rejected many Christian doctrines and who, think, who thought God does not interfere with the affairs of men and nations. And the ones who simply answer absolutely, the, the other side is right, the one side, the one error to answer the question is, was, did America have a Christian founding? You say absolutely not. On the other side is absolutely no doubt about it. There is a problem there too because those who answer simply that way tend to make every founding father a John, a John Calvin of Orthodox Christianity, which is also not true. Oh, another question. Look at that. This is, uh, let's do the women of the church. What important document starts with the words, we the people? Katie Hoy. So the Constitution starts with that, right? That's why it's called the preamble. Uh, so that's actually part of the Constitution. Uh, that, that's how it starts. Okay, bonus question. When was the Constitu- Constitution promulgated? That is, when was it adopted? Uh, still the women of the church. 
It was two years before, yes. 1787, yes. Two years, almost three years before Washington became uh, the first president. And that's something we don't realize. From the end of the Civil War till about 1790, we didn't have a president. Congress was the only, uh, really, the president of Cong... What did you say? Well, it was a civil war, right? (laughs) So, see, you guys are so quick to correct me, but you don't really, you're not really thinking through stuff here. It was British citizens against British citizens, right? That's the, so for those so many years, we didn't have a president. The president of Congress was the leading figure of the nation. All right, what exactly would a Christian founding look like? That's not a, a, a question for... Oh, Katie, sorry. Here's your... Adam, can you pass? Yeah. Uh, what exactly would the Christian founding look like? Well, one possibility is simply that the founding fathers identify themselves as Christian. And that's absolutely clear. Every founding father identified themselves as Christian. And so did every other white person in the colonies in 1776. That's a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, Every European American in 1776, with the exception of about 2,500 Jews, identified themselves or herself as a Christian. Approximately 98% of the colonists were Protestants, with the remaining 1.9%, if you take the Jews out, being Roman Catholic. All right, a bonus question to, for anybody. Which, which colony was a Roman Catholic colony? Sonia. Maryland. Maryland, yes, you're correct. But this approach is too simplistic. Just to say that America was founded as a Christian nation because all the founding fathers identified themselves as Christian is a simplistic uh, uh, answer because there are several ways to define Christian, right? Uh, we know that. Uh, these men and women might have been bad Christians. They may have been Christians significantly influenced by non-Christian ideas. Or they may, have, it may even have been Christians that were self-consciously Christians, but attempted to create a secular political order. Now we know that Samuel Adams, Patrick Henry, John Jay, Roger Sherman, and John Witherspoon were faithful Orthodox Christian people. These are men that were faithfully, faithful followers of Jesus Christ, with John Witherspoon being the only pastor who signed the Declaration of Independence. Uh, and he happened to be a Presbyterian pastor in New Jersey. But there's also powerful evidence that Benjamin Franklin, Ethan Allen, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and if we considered him American, Thomas Paine, embraced deism, with Adams being the most inconsistent and difficult to pinpoint of these that I just uh, labeled. What we know for sure is that all founding fathers were influenced by Christian ideas because that's what the Western world was at the time. We can at least say that Orthodox Christianity had a very significant influence on America's founding uh, and that this influence is often overlooked by students of the, the, the beginning of the United States. So uh, we can say that those who formulated the beginnings of this country were heavily, heavily influenced by Christian ideas. And to say otherwise is to just close your eyes and scream really loud so that you can't hear the facts of history. Ooh, look at that. For the men of the church, what is the Bill of Rights 
You don't deserve to be an American if you don't know what this is. Okay. The brother over here. Remind me of your name. James. Okay, kind of. We're getting there. Yeah. You're, you're on the right track, but not 100%. Nick? First 10 amendments to the Constitution. Yes, yeah, the first 10 amendments, because there are several amendments after that. Well, we are at 25 now, I think, amendments to the Constitution, uh, uh, which the last one is, I think, that you can't have multiple terms, uh, more than two terms as a president. Uh, but yes, so the first 10 and it was approved two years after the Constitution. When the Constitution was approved, and they kind of tried to make it work, and they say, uh-oh, we forgot a few things here. <laughs> so the Bill of Rights then was approved the first 10, with the first one, as James says, being, um, uh, it's funny, today we know it mostly as a freedom of speech clause, but back when it was first adopted, the main thing was the freedom of the press. That was the main issue. Because they, they, our founding fathers realized that if a, if a press that's controlled by the government is not no press at all. That the people, in order for people to be free, they must be, the press must be independent. <coughs> they are rolling in their graves today in that <laughs> aspect. All right. Okay, a, a bonus question for the, back to the youth group. How many judges currently sit in the U.S. Supreme Court? It's been the same for over, for over 100 years. Yes, Nick. Eight, right? You're answering me <laughs> or not? Eight? No. Nine. Nine judges. And they're called justices. And does the Constitution require nine? No, it doesn't. So the Congress can decide how many judges. Actually, Senate can decide how many judges are there. All right. What constitutes America's founding? That seems, again, not, a, not for, for candy, just a part of the lesson. Seems like we, we could get some things, right? I mean, there's something we shouldn't debate uh, that's easy to get. But today, the debate is, when did America actually became America? Uh, and you might say, uh, this sounds like a stupid question. I saw the fireworks last night. We're having a barbecue today, right? Uh, uh, we're celebrating Independence Day today. Well, we know that at least we know that at least 45 delegates signed the, the Declaration of Independence in, on July 4th, 1776. Uh, does anybody? That's just a, Does anybody know who was the first name on it? Is also the biggest signature on it, John Hancock. And why is his the first name? Yes, the president of Congress at the time, yes. Um, but today people say, are saying that the United States, as we know it, was founded in 1619. Do you know why they say that? Right, arrived at? In the town of? Jamestown. So they say that the history, the, the, this, Ameri- this nation was founded in 1619, on that day when those first... I think it was about 50 slaves arrived in Jamestown. 
And the reason they draw it there is to show that America is nothing more than a racist country, that you cannot separate racism from America, and that it's not a Christian foundation, but a racist foundation. Now, it is obvious that there, there were many factors that con- contributed to the founding of the United States as an independent nation, but we will stick with the clear date of July 4th, 1776, as the beginning of the establishment of this nation as an independent nation, as a nation that was independent politically from other nations. And three elements really made what we have today as the United States. The first one was the establishment of, a colonial, of colonial governments in the United States. The United States were established, excuse me, as colonies different than the other colonies in the world, in the British Empire, because the colonies in the United States were given the right to have their own legislatures. They had their own ruling bodies submitted that, that were also uh, subject to the king. They were supposed to be able to make their own internal laws and so on, which is very different than the um, other colonies in the British Empire. So we started very different. We started as a self-ruling colonies with a faraway parliament and king. And even then, we have a couple of representatives in the parliament, in the, the, the House of Commons in, um, in England. And that's why, as you remember the Pilgrim story, uh, I told somebody last night that we were going to read the Declaration of Independence responsibly this morning and followed by the Mayflower Compact. We're not, not going to do that. Uh, you should read the Declaration of Independence. It takes 15 minutes, 20 minutes stops. You can read it, read it aloud. It's worth uh, reading it. Um, but that's why when the pilgrims arrived and they noticed that they were not in Virginia, you know, there's a, a little bit of a mishap there from Virginia. They arrived in Massachusetts and there was uncharted territory, and there was no colonial constitution. That's why they came out with the Mayflower Compact, because they knew in order to, to be able to fulfill the, the uh, charter that the king gave them, they had to have their own ruling government. So they were not doing just because there was these forward-looking people. It was just what the law of the land was. They needed to have that constitution, because that was a self-governing colony by the charter given to the king. And the government in most of New England was established as a Christian government. Uh, there was not, that, that was not the case in Virginia, in Jamestown, where the uh, goal was more making money and economic development than in New England. But the, the, if you look at the, constitu- the colonial constitu- constitutions of the New England states, you're going to see that they were much, much a, like a Christian um, Christian government. Pennsylvania's constitution begins by making it clear that God has ordained government, and it even quotes Romans 13 as the basis of that constitution. I don't mean the current Pennsylvania constitution. I mean, you know, the colonial. Uh, and uh, just so that you have an idea, this is a, a portion of that, that, what the constitution forbids. It forbids swearing, cursing, lying, profane talking, drunkenness, drinking of health. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, obscene words, incest, sodomy, stage plays, cards, dice, may, may games, gamesters, masks, revels, bull baiting, cockfighting, bear baiting, and the like, which excite the people to rudeness, cruelty, looseness, and irreligion. And that's the state, the colonial, colonial constitution of 
uh, Pennsylvania. Not that we agree with all that, right? If, uh, uh, if you want to go bear trapping, I guess, if you have a permit, you can go do that. We're not really uh, here, neither here nor there about that. But to demonstrate how they believed that the state should have a say in the religious practice of the people. The Carolinas were the best colonies, contrary to what you might hear all about New England, but the Carolinas were the right colonies. You know why? Because they were Presbyterian colonies. <laughs> they were led by Presbyterians, and the former government, the colonial government, displayed that. So even before the Declaration of Independence, Christian principles were ingrained in the government of the colonies. So that's one thing that formed us, is that, that the notion that uh, the secular and the sacred cross paths in government. And you might say, well, how about the separation between church and state? Well, we'll take a look at that in a moment, just um, so that you know that's not anywhere in the, that phrase is nowhere in the Constitution, right? It's found later on in the letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote. The, the, the second thing that got us to be the country that we are, that we became on July 4th, is, of course, America's break with Great Britain in the 1770s. Uh, the Declaration of Independence, the most famous document produced by the Continental Congress, the one that Nicolas Cage tried to steal uh, in, in the movie, uh, this, uh, this is the most you know, known document, uh, proclaims, we, t- we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by whom? Their creator, with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So the, the founding document of our country recognizes the place of God in government. And he continues, he references the laws of nature and of nature's God, and closes by appealing to the supreme judge of the world, and... Uh, noting the signer's reliance on the protection of divine providence. So the founding fathers' use of Christian rhetoric and arguments becomes even more evident if one looks at the other statements of colonial rights and concerns to say nothing of the dozen explicit, explicitly Christian calls to prayer, fasting, and thanksgiving issued by the Continental and Confederate. Uh, Confederation Congress. So once we became independent, a little after, once we're, uh, the Congress was drawing the, the Constitution, it became known as the Confederation Con- Congress, not the Continental Congress any, anymore. So you can see that, that in the, in the, very, in the, uh, the uh, split from Britain, Great Britain, uh, Christianity was a, a, a big part of even the founding documents and thinking of our Congress uh, the, first, the same Congress that wrote the First Amendment saying that we need to pray as a Congress. We need to, as politicians, call for the nation to pray and give thanksgiving and so on. And then the third thing that made us what we are today is the creation of new, a new constitution order in the 1780s and 1790s. Now, I'm reducing to three because we only have so much time. You probably could expand the complexity of this, but these are three major things there. Now, in light of the discussion so far, it is perhaps surprising that the Constitution says little about God or religion. If you read it, and you can read very quickly as well, it's not a long document, it's the beauty of it. Um, now, there, there are hints that America is a Christian nation. For example, does anybody know what the pocket veto is? It's something that the president can do. 
Do you know what the, the, what the Constitution regulates? Pocket vetoes. So a veto is when a, the, the president uh, did, uh, actively does not allow a law enacted by, uh, a law passed by Congress to be enacted as the law of the land. Right? Now, what's a pocket veto? So the idea is when the president grabs the law, puts it in his pocket, and doesn't sign it. And the Constitution says that he doesn't sign it in 10 days, it just dies. And presidents use that when they don't want to enact a law, but to veto it would be a political, uh, cost political capital. So they just don't do anything about it, and it just goes and dies and goes where dead laws go. In the pocket veto statement or allowance in the Constitution says that uh, if the president doesn't sign a law into uh, a, a bill into law in 10 days, accepting the Sabbath, it will be vetoed. So Sundays didn't count in those 10 days in recognition. And that, that's just a hint of the, the culture of the nation. But these seems to be more than balanced by Article 6 of the Constitution. Does anybody know what Article 6 of the Constitution states? There can be no, there can be no religious tests for the holding of federal office. Right? So you cannot have, oh, the president can only be a Presbyterian. Or U.S. senators can only be Methodists. Or that, that, nothing, can, you can't have that. No religious test. Uh, at least not officially, these days it seems like there are religious tests and if you're a devout Christian you seem to be tested out of office, but that's not supposed to be there. There is one specific, clear, direct reference to God in the Constitution. Do you know where it is? Andrew? Uh, the, date. the date, yes. In the year of our Lord, 1787. <laughs> and that's it. So the Constitution appears to be godless because the founding fathers were creating a national government for a very few limited purposes. Right? The Constitution only outlines what the government can do. It doesn't outline anything else that the government cannot do. The government cannot do. And notably, all these are listed in Article 8, Section 1, which describes Congress. The power is supposed to be in Congress. Is shifted, right? Shifted as power is shifted to the president, but even above the president, power is shifted to the Supreme Court these days. But quickly, look, this is Article 8 of our Article 1, Section 8 of our Constitution. These are the things that Congress can do, and nothing more, or that the, the, the federal government can do. It can, um, can institute taxes and collect taxes, duties, and so on. Uh, it can borrow money. I, I think they regret that, but they needed that in order to pay the debt of the uh, Revolutionary War. The government, the federal government, can do commerce with for, foreign um, governments, and it can also regulate the the, the uh, commerce between states. This is where the current power of the U.S. government resides in the Commerce Clause. It uses it to, to really regulate everything that goes on in the states, from education to everything else there. It also can um, establish uh, who can be a, 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 a 
citizen of the, of, of the country. It, um, it can print money, which is kind of sad, too, that they said that that was the case. Uh, it can uh, punish those who counterfeit money. Uh, it, can, it can have a post office. And back then, you know, the Constitution says it can also have roads that are dedicated for the post office use as well. Uh, it can promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors and investors the exclusive rights of their respective writings and discoveries. What is this? Copyright, Copyright and patents and so on. But it's this, and it's under this clause that the national, whatever the national art endowment, endowment is established is under this clause here. It also says that the government can... Uh, figure out how the lower courts are going to be established. So, um, I see you, just hold a second. Uh, other than the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court established by the Constitution, but uh, how many uh, circuit courts are going to be there, how many federal judges are going to be appointed, and so on, that's up to Congress. Congress can fight piracy, right? So, if Jack Sparrow ever comes here, the Congress can fight uh, him. Uh, he can declare war. I'm not sure what the letters marquee and reprisal are. But, uh, it wasn't really important for this lesson to figure out. And it can raise an army. It's interesting that it says an army can only stand for a max of two years. So every other year, Congress has to re- Establish the whole armed forces. Uh, it, knows, it became a pro forma thing. They just kind of do it. But that's something that has to be done every, every year. And there's more. The Congress, uh, the United States can have a, a Navy. Um, they had to do an amendment in order to have an Air Force after World War II. Uh, it can make rules to regulate the, the land and, and naval force to provide for calling forth of militia. So the Constitution says that the, the armed force, the standing armies, can only fight foreign enemies. If there are problems within the country, is the state militia that, can, that has to be raised and, and, and so on. That's why when there's disasters or issues, is the National Guard, which is the state militia, that's activated, not the standing army that goes uh, take care of that. And um, the government also is to provide for the army of citizen militia. Not to take away the guns, but to provide for the army, arming of state uh, militias. And I think there's one more. Um, so the, 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 the government does have the power to keep a state from seceding, and, and then it has the power to make the laws that are necessary to implement the Constitution. So you can see that's a very limited purpose of government. Not like we have to... It doesn't say anything about education, does it? In the federal government charter. It doesn't say anything about... What else is another big issue that doesn't say anything about? Health care. It doesn't say anything about um, health care. It doesn't say anything about a bunch of things that now the federal government is in, involved. So why we went to this? Just to show to you that the reason why there's not any mention of religion because the founders said that the federal government is not in charge of religion. 
Even though we believe the government should be involved in religion, that's not the place of the federal government. It, we're going to leave that to the state's government. There, there was almost universal agreement among the founding fathers that if there was to be legislation on religious or moral matters, it should be done by the state and local government. Which makes a lot of sense because even, you know, things change from location to location, state to state. It should be at that level, even at the lower, that is the case. Okay, Scott Griffiths. If you go back a couple slides to clause one, you missed something. Well, just tell me. I'm not going to go back. Just tell me what I missed. Okay. Well, the Supreme Court has judged that that's not the case, that the, for coin, it, they meant that production of money, because coin, that's all that was at the time, uh, and so on. Because the, uh, the, Continental, the Continental Congress, and then afterwards, the, 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 the Congress that uh, drew this, actually used paper bills to pay their debts, and that was something that the people didn't like very much, because it didn't... That's why they made it coin. Yeah. Yeah, but the uh, the Constitution has ruled the Supreme Court has ruled that paper printing is in 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 um, consistent with the Constitution. And once the Supreme Court rules something, that is what the Constitution says, even if we don't agree with that. In fact, uh, going back here, states remained active in this business well into the 20th century, establishing religion and so on. Though. All, all establishment ended by, ended by 1832, which is, look, it's 50 years after the Constitution. States still had established denominations. When we read in these documents that they had religion, it's not like a state was a Buddhist, another state was Muslim. No, they were, religion was another word for different denominations. So when you have established religions that had a different denomination, for example, Massachusetts was uh, a Congregationalist, by law, state, till well into the 1800s. And, um, and it, in order to be an officer, you had to be a, a, a Congregationalist member, a member of a Congregationalist church, and so on. Um, and because the federal government was not supposed to be concerned with these things, and the Constitution doesn't really lead it in any way. And, and the First Amendment, which you know, talks about the, the, the uh, free exercise of religion, uh, merely reinforce this understanding with respect to, the, to faith. Congress has no power to establish a national church or to restrict the free exercise of religion. But it has become where the government now has enforced no theistic religion. That those are religions that somehow that's what the government is supposed to enforce. Ooh, okay, kids club. This is a complicated one, but I think you might be able to do that. What are the three, what's called unalienable or untakeable rights that the Declaration of Independence grant to us? We, the, the Constitution, the Declaration says that there are three things that they consider to be God-given that cannot be removed from anyone. Okay, uh, Josiah. Ah. <laughs> no. That's, that's uh, the, the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. Uh, Caleb. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes, they, they, those are the three things that our, our, the Declaration of Independence says it's not, they cannot be taken away. Now, the Declaration of Independence is not a constitutional document. It can be appealed sometimes, but it's not the, the law of the land, but recognizes 
that there are things that in this plane, the horizontal plane, cannot be taken away from people. It's interesting that that was here. Caleb, come and get a piece of candy. Uh, uh, no, come over here. Uh, the, the, that was uh, Jefferson's, Thomas Jefferson's take on John Locke's interpretation of governmental philosophy. And he actually said, John Locke said that the, the three things that uh, cannot be taken away are life, liberty, and what's the third one? Property. And it's, it's clear that Jefferson understood that you cannot pursue happiness if you don't have the right to own property. So to say that, uh, in, that the United States was anyway established as a socialist country is to just, again, go like this, blah, 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 and refuse to actually look at what has happened. Okay, this is for the, the uh, men of the church. Who are our two U.S. Senators. The men of the church, not the women of the church. And the women of the church, not to tell the men of the church. Yes, Brennan. <laughs> Patty Murray and? Maria Cantwell. Those are the two. They are your senators. Right? Senators are statewide offices, and they are your U.S. Now, why is it that way? Why is Congress established with the, pres- the representation that it has? So you have, con- you have the House, and you have the Senate. They kinda, they're designed to parallel the two houses of the, the British Parliament with the House of Commons and the House of Lords. So what's the difference between the lower chamber, the House of Representatives, and the upper chamber, the Senate? Scott. Yeah. Right. It the that's what makes us a constitutional republic, not a democracy. Right. We're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. The Senate helps cool down the House. The Senate. It was designed so that California will not rule the country. That's kind of like the, uh, the idea. Because the House of Representatives, it, each representative represents a certain number of inhabitants in a state. Uh, and so they, the, those are apportioned by um, by number of, res- of citizens. And in God's good providence, California have lost a seat uh, this year. So um, that's a good thing when that happens. All right. Um, what did the Founding Fathers think about the church and the state? We're going to try to just do this quickly. In 1947, a Supreme Court... Anybody here was alive in 1947? Can you raise your hand if you're alive in 1947? Okay, just Jerry. Well, oh, just you are willing to recognize, Jerry. Uh, the, the Supreme Court decision of Everson v. Board of Education... Uh, Justice Wiley Rutledge proclaimed for the first time this. So this is 1947, the first time. 
No provision of the Constitution is more closely tied to or given content by its generating history than the religious clause of the First Amendment. It is at once the refined product and the terse summary, summation of that history. That's 1947, the first time the Supreme Court used the First Amendment to deny government's participation in, in any level from the city to the state to the county in religion, uh, religions, uh, religious rules or moral, moral rules. So to that point, nothing had been done till that, that was done. And that was hard, uh, largely done because of one statement in a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to a Baptist association in which he wrote this, the phrase, the, separa- the wall of separation between church and state, which is something that Jefferson, as a president, called for prayer in Congress. Uh, uh, when he was the governor of Virginia, he did the same thing and so on. And that became kind of the rule, the law of the land, but it's as recent as 1947. And that's uh, uh, when you know, the, the, way of, the way it will start to be paid for removal of a lot of public Christianity at that, uh, that point. All right, three things, really quickly, that the, the founding fathers agreed as far as the church and state. One is that religious liberty is a right and must be protected. Every one of them believed that the, the religious liberty is a right and must be protected. But when they talk about religious liberty, he didn't, they, didn't, they weren't talking about liberty for any religion. It was liberty to practice Christianity in the way that... Um, you, 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 your conscience sees fit to the point that the Jews that were influential at the time really protested the, the, the Constitution. Two, um, states should have established churches only if they encourage and assist Christianity. That the, the rule to figure out what states should do concerning religion should be whether it furthers Christianity or not. And then um, three, Religion belongs in the public square. That was a consensus of all the founding fathers. That religion belonged in the public square, not away from the public square. And we see that in how Congress all behaved. All right, youth group, what are the three branches of government? I see, Nick, somebody else there. Hold on there. Three branches of government. Uh, yes, Titus. Yeah. Are you telling me? Yeah. Yes, it is. Those, uh, those three branches are... Okay. Kids Club. Can you name three of the original colonies that you knew before anybody else whispered in your ears? <laughs> Mary... All right, cool. All New England. Can anybody name non-New England colonies? Good job, Mary. Can you come over here and get your candy? Can anybody name anybody? Three other. So we've got Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island. The three New England colonies. What else? Yes, James. Give him another one. Pennsylvania. All right. All right. Go simple. Okay, six. 
Can you can we wrap it up? Can we finish it up? Katie Hoy. New Jersey. New Jersey. New York State. New York. New York. New York. Uh, Georgia. Georgia. Okay, let's go. Somebody else. Anybody else? Delaware. Delaware has already said. Virginia. Virginia. The missing three. Charlotte. Do you have one? No. Missing three. Connecticut. Connecticut. Betsy State. <laughs> missing two. Maryland. Maryland. Yes. Rhode Island is already mentioned. Good job, though. No. I think Vermont was part of Connecticut at the time. Everything, or even New Hampshire, but everything up there was one. So we're missing where he said that. Where he said that. No, South Carolina, we have not said that because uh, James went from north to Delaware. Yeah. It was not separate, I, I believe. No, they were, they were two separate. They were two separate colonies at the time, I thought. Maybe I'm going to be wrong. New Jersey? I said New Jersey already. Okay, so we, let's call it good because we ran out of time. But the bottom line is, most of you, if you had to take the citizenship today, you'd be kicked out of the country. So it's time. If you say that you believe in this country, if you say that you think this is a country worth fighting for, please understand how it works. Don't just blow hot air in your complaining, but know how it works so that actually you can be part of the process in it. All right, let's pray and you'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, thank you for your providence towards the United States of America and we pray that you would uh, be merciful to it even as it departs greatly, or it has departed greatly from where it began. Dismiss us now with your blessings. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.